0: Good morning, once again, and welcome to those listening on the radio and watching on Facebook. So why are you and I here right now in this place? Why did we leave our homes, get in our car, walk through these doors? Or if you're listening on the radio, why did you tune in to T102? Or if you're watching on Facebook, why did you click on Facebook and get into Facebook Live to be a part of our service here this morning? Do we dare ask the question, are you not really here to encounter the Lord? In Matthew 18, verse 20, it says, For where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Could it be that we are hard to hear and slow to see his presence? His image may not be visible, but he is moving and acting through all of us as we sing. This morning, contemplate the Bible verse in the sermon, and we pray together. As we do these things, His love engulfs us. So this morning, Lord, I pray that we listen more intently to the words that are spoken and saying, and watch more closely to the people that are here for your presence, so that we may encounter you. Would you please rise and join me in the call to worship? It is taken from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountains of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. The King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is a King of glory. Now let us sing with, worship the Lord and with the praise team sing, Egypt and amazing grace, my chains are gone.
1: is not just a story that happened in the Old Testament. Our God is still the God that parts the seas in our lives that we may walk upon dry land in the deep waters. No matter what is going on, no matter what we are facing, He has never left our side because the love, the love that He has lavished on us, that He would give His only Son, that He can be with us, with us as family. He wants that relationship with us. Do you want that relationship with him? You don't have to come perfect to him. That's a battle I've fought all my life. I don't have to become perfect because it is by the blood of Jesus that I can come into the presence of our heavenly father. The one that wants family. The one that wants to be with us. The one that will never leave us. Such amazing grace.
2: Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together this morning to worship you, Lord. Brian asked why we come, why we tune in, why we click the link on Facebook to, to uh, join into the service, Lord. And Lord, the reason is you. You are the reason that we're here. You are the reason we sing praise and that we get to worship you because of your great love for us. Lord, these last two songs that we just sang are powerful reminders of that love. Lord, as we've been reading in the book of Exodus in our Bible reading plan, Lord, we can see the deliverance that you have given to your people back then, but you also give it to us now. Lord, you have led us out of the captivity and the bondage that our sin has kept us in. And you brought us out from under the weight of those things. And you walk us in freedom with you, Lord. And that is just so awesome. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you are the great deliverer. Lord, that you march us into freedom and allow us to live wholly and completely in relationship with you, Lord. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your deliverance and your grace. And that you fight for us every single day. Father, we lift up those on our cares and concerns list today. Lord, we ask that you would work in their lives, that you would provide healing where healing is needing, encouragement where that's needed as well, Lord. And I pray that you would give them hope, Lord. The, the things that we face in life can uh, sometimes take the hope out of us, Lord, but you are the God of hope. And so I pray that you would give them your hope, that you would remind them that you are with them, that you are not, that they are not alone, that you are walking through the trials of their life with them. Lord, and you promise that for us too. Lord, if there's anyone here that is walking through something that just feels impossible, Lord, I pray that you would remind them of your hope and that you would remind them that you walk with them, that they are not alone, Lord. Father, I pray that you would be with Pastor Joel this morning as he shares what you've laid on his heart for us. Lord, I pray that the words that he speaks would come straight from your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen his voice, and I pray that the things that come out of his mouth that are from you, that we would hear them and that we would obey them, and that we would apply them to our lives, Lord. Convict our hearts, open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us this morning. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
3: For thine is the kingdom,
2: the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time, I'll invite the kids forward for Children's Chat with Mr. Clinton. Good
4: morning, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm going to surprise you and sit over here. Aha. Keep you guessing. Keep you guessing. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Coming up here. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to move around today. I promise. There's not a lot of cool props today. All right. Looking good. All right. Good group this morning, huh? Nice warm morning. That's a nice change for February. I'll take it. All right. I brought a few things along. How many of you have like actual real printed pictures at your house, like hanging on the wall? Yeah. Well, when I was your age, uh, we didn't have cell phone cameras and digital cameras and we had to like take pictures and pick them up a week later and see how they turned out. So I have some pictures here today. Tell me if you can guess who this is and i'm glad the camera can't see too close on these because this is this could be embarrassing what do you think all right so that's one what that one well at that one? First of all the coolest bugs bunny sweatshirt ever what do you think of that guy what do you think what do you think oh what do you think man so it could be you but it's not all right this one is, uh, oh, this, this person is five years old. How many of you are five years old or so? Four, five, or six. Yeah, right there, man. Look at that. Guess who that is? You Who is that? You think it's Grant? Yeah, Grant's not even five yet. Guess what? This is going to be crazy. You ready? Wait, we got more because I just got to show all these off. This is my kindergarten picture. Oh, I just told you. It's me. These are all me. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So these are all the school pictures that my grandma and grandpa had on their shelf for a long time. So that's me in kindergarten. Say so what happened, Clinton? Oh my gosh! Fifth grade? How many people are well, fourth, fifth grade? I'm getting older. Most of you're not up here. All right, look at that guy. I lost my teeth, huh? I got my big grown-up teeth, and they I didn't grow into them yet. How many of you guys have your big front teeth already? You got your big grown-up teeth? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're, you'll grow into them. Good luck. And you might have to go through. And then that. Look at that. Seventeen years old in high school. Well, what happened? And now look at me. Oh my goodness, it's all downhill, isn't it? What happened? What happened to me? I grew? Are you guys growing? Do you guys look back at baby pictures and say, oh my gosh, I never looked like that, did I? Isn't that crazy? Okay. Well, that's a really there's a really hard thing to talk about. Well, not hard. It's just I couldn't understand it. Today's scripture is all about how Moses became a special word called transfigured, which is a fancy way of saying how Moses looked changed. Completely changed. Kind of like how we change when we start as little babies and then we grow up into the grown-ups, right? So, it's kind of a strange thing, but the point is, we all change and grow and look totally different, you know, from one year to the next. Some of you, I swear, from one week to the next because you just grow so quick. But in the story today, Moses is changed in how he looks and he's changed forever, not by 30 years of growing and losing his hair and gaining weight, but Moses changes because he goes up on the mountain, gets the Ten Commandments, and he sees God, right, right? forever. Now, we're all going to grow up and start looking different, right? Anyone have a loose tooth right now? Any Loose teeth in the house? You, you got, you go, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's my point. We're always growing. We're always changing how we look. We get new teeth. Well, we get one set of new teeth and then, you know, all kinds of stuff happens to us in our lives. The point is of today's scripture is Moses was changed 100%, completely looked different. He actually had to wear a mask over his face the rest of his life when he talked to people. Can you believe that? Because he was just like glow-in-the-dark, shining, radiant face all the time. Can you believe that? And it scared people. It was really bizarre. It was like, what is this guy doing? He's like shining from his face. So you're all going to change and grow up and look different. And the point of the Moses story from today's scripture is when we are close to God when we learn about God, when we pray, we come to church, we go to Sunday school, we do all those things, the way that we look, the way that we act, the way that we are should change too. You're probably not going to start shining from your face and being radiant, but it's possible. But the way you treat people, the way you listen to your mom and dad, maybe the way you treat your siblings, all those things could show and kind of be like God's love shining out of you. What do you think of that? So go home today, see if you can have mom or dad pull up some pictures or flip through their phone, look at some baby pictures and think about how much you've changed and grown. And then think about how you can change and keep growing um, as you learn more about God and Jesus. All right, let's say a prayer. You ready? All right. me, Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing these young hearts and minds together today. Um, may they just be um, covered with your blessing and your wisdom and, and in all things. Lord, just continue to. Give them a hunger and thirst after you that they may continue to grow in your wisdom and stature. Um, bless them as they go from this place and in all things. In your sons name we pray. Amen.
2: Thanks, you, get kids. to getting. Thank you, Clinton. Uh, at this time, we invite the choir forward. Um, and as they come forward, our morning offering today is goes towards the general fund. So as the choir... Um, Things breathe on me breath of God, the deacons will come forward and collect this morning's offering. Um, again, and that goes towards the general fund.
3: scriptures from Exodus 3429 through35. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the Covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. but Moses called to them so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and, spoke, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands of the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses, When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord.
5: Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together again. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word and and study it here this morning. I pray that as we look at it together that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. And I pray that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. So, do appreciate, Tori, Pastor Tori, praying for me this morning that my voice would be sustained. Um, yesterday, I wasn't feeling too great, um, as you can tell, my voice is a little weak at the moment. Um, but just encourage, I, I appreciate your prayers that I get through this. You know, I hate to, as a, as a pastor, you hate to ask somebody else to fill in for you last moment, but I did have a thought cross my mind about, you know, we have two new elders that are just starting. This is their first Sunday, and I thought, I wonder if they'd appreciate a phone call yesterday afternoon asking them to pinch it for me. Uh, but I decided against that, decided it wouldn't have been very nice of me to do that, uh, but I think we'll be able to focus in on what we have uh, in store for us today. We are going to pick up here in Exodus 34. If you were here with us last week, we looked at um, the Exodus as it was described in Exodus, the the escape from Egypt and uh, uh, God's deliverance and salvation for his people through the Red Sea. And so I want to give you kind of a quick recap of what has taken place since that time so we can all kind of be on the same page for what's going on here in Exodus 34. After God leads his people Out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, they head almost directly to Mount Sinai, which is where they camp for some time. Uh, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and and stays in the presence of the Lord, and they and it is there that Moses receives the Ten Commandments as he communicates them in Exodus chapter twenty. The people agree to do what God commands them to do, and so Moses goes and spends some more time up on the mountain and. And it's there while he's up on the mountain with the Lord receiving the law and, and spending time in the Lord's presence that Aaron and Israel actually rebel against the Lord making a golden calf idol. Um, they, they take the gold and the, the earrings and the jewelry that they had plundered from Egypt and they use those things to make this golden calf um, which is obviously a direct breaking of the first two commandments that they had just received from the Lord. The Lord is obviously upset and wants to destroy Israel, but Moses pleads and intercedes for them. And God's, he appeals to God's covenant with Abraham. Right? He asks God to remember the promise that he made. And because God is a covenant-keeping God, he relents. The people are still punished, but he does not destroy them completely. And it is at that point in Exodus 33 and 34 that Moses goes back into the presence of the Lord and spends time there. It's there that he once again pleads with Yahweh, with, with the Lord to go with him, to, that it is God's presence that is the defining characteristic of his people. And there the Lord shows him his glory. The Lord reiterates his covenant promise and promises to go with his people because that, once again, is the defining characteristic of God's people, the Lord's very presence. That's what sets them, that is what sets them apart from all the other nations. You see, God's people experience that in a very physical way, right? Through the, uh, through the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness, that led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and on into the wilderness for those 40 years. And if you're keeping up with the Bible reading plan, you know that uh, part of the instructions that Moses receives on Mount Sinai is the instructions for the tabernacle, which is a physical sign, a representation of God's very presence in the midst of his people. And it is in that place that God's, that, that pillar of cloud came to rest throughout those wilderness journeys. And so, and so Moses had spent about 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai, all that time in the presence of the Lord. And so here in in Exodus 34, verse 29, we see him coming down out of the mountain to give those commandments and give the further explanation of the law to God's people. And as he comes down, he doesn't even realize that his face is literally glowing with the glory of the Lord. It's an after effect of being in the presence of God. That word radiant means that Moses' face was literally shining like the sun, and, and that is a common description in Scripture of divine glory. Think of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in the Gospels, or in Revelation 1, it says that, that Jesus' face glowed and shined like the sun. Or think of the angels at the empty tomb in the Gospel stories that spoke to the women there, it says that they shone like lightning. This bright radiance is an obvious sign or symbol of God's glory. And so Moses, having spent time with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, came down with his face literally glowing, reflecting the glory of the Lord. It's an obvious transformation from being in the Lord's presence. That poses an interesting question for us to think about today, doesn't it? How are, and Clinton's children's chat was great to emphasize this point. Spending time in the Lord's presence should change us, shouldn't it? It should impact not necessarily the way we look, right? My face has never glown after reading the Bible, right? But it should impact us in how we live our lives and how people see us or how people can hopefully see Christ in us. So the question is, do people notice anything different about you? Do people know when you've been in the presence of the Lord? I know spending time in God's Word on a daily basis definitely makes an impact on me. I can tell you right now, I know I can tell the difference just in myself when I take the time to do that or when my day gets away from me and 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 we don't and, and I don't have time for that, say, in the morning or early in the day. I can tell the difference just in my demeanor in the way I act towards other people. After having spent time with the Lord in, in his word and in prayer, uh, I, I know I'm more patient and loving and kind than I would be otherwise. See, spending time in the Lord's presence does make a difference. It should transform us from the inside out. And so as Moses comes down from the, temp- or comes down from the mountain, uh, it says that Aaron, who is the high, his brother, the high priest, and all the people were afraid of him. They didn't know what to do. And so Moses calls them forward and relays the law that he received on Mount Sinai. And at that point, he puts a veil over his face. You see, the, the veil was put there because the people were afraid. They were afraid of, they were, they were put off by this glory of the Lord shining from Moses' face. And so Moses, when he was done speaking to them, put this veil over to hide that glow, to hide that glory shining through But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak to the Lord, he'd remove the veil once again. What is the veil and what was its purpose? Well, it was partly a human accommodation, right? The people were unwilling to hear directly from the Lord. And we see that as far back as Exodus chapter 20. Again, this is is right after God's people received the Ten Commandments through Moses from the Lord. And it says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. See, God's people were afraid to be in God's presence. And so the veil in one sense was was a human accommodation because they were unwilling to hear from the Lord directly. They wanted to receive instruction from the Lord, but they wanted to receive it through a mediator like Moses. The veil was a buffer to hide themselves from the fullness of God's glory and presence. But that's not but that's not the only reason the veil was was placed there. And, and this is a, a part where we need to pause and, and I'm gonna teach you guys a bit about helpful biblical interpretation. When we get to passages like this that are sometimes hard to understand or maybe a little confusing, the best thing that we can do is look to other passages in Scripture to help us understand it better. See, the the it's important to let Scripture interpret Scripture and, and to look to other passages that maybe speak on the same thing that can help us understand it better. With Moses' shining face in the veil is actually... Uh, referenced once again in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in our New Testament. So if you have your Bibles with you or, or if you want to follow along in a pew Bible, I encourage you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and I'm going to read beginning in verse 7 for us. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. It says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which is engraved in letters on stone and which came with glory... So that the Israelites could not even look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such hope, We are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And so we see another aspect, Paul, Paul takes that story of Moses and helps us understand it even better. So another reason the veil was, was placed there was because it prevented God's people from seeing and understanding the fullness of, of God's glory. In other words, in Second Corinthians 3.14, it says that the veil made their minds dull. They were unable to understand the law and the covenant in its fullness. They did not understand what the law was ultimately meant to point to. Paul here talks about the old covenant being a ministry of condemnation and a ministry of death. Now, what he means by that is not that the law brought death or the law brought condemnation, but... The law was given to reveal sin, right? The law was given so that we could understand our own sinfulness. And so, and so the, when the law was read, when the law was read, they, the veil prevented them from fully understanding what the law was meant to point to. In Hebrews 10, it says, the law is a shadow of what is to come. The law finds its fulfillment in the person and the work of Christ. And so the veil is still there, figuratively speaking, for anyone who doesn't know Jesus. Right? The veil is there. The veil, the veil is there for anyone who does not have that personal relationship with Jesus, because he's the one who removes the veil for us. Jesus removes the veil, the veil so that we can know and understand him better. Paul actually goes on in 2 Corinthians 4 to say that we are blind so that we can't see or understand the light of Christ. And according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, finally, Moses veiled his face to conceal the fading glory of the Lord, to hide the fact that the old covenant was temporary and fading. Which brings us to an important distinction here. When we reflect on Exodus 34, it's helpful that Paul is... What Paul is doing in Second Corinthians 3 is he's helping us understand what it means for us today by contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. You see, in the Old Covenant, we needed a mediator. We needed a mediator like Moses to go back and forth between us because we could not go into the Lord's presence. And, and then carried on throughout the Old Testament, we see the function and the role of the high priest and other priests who had to stand in between the people and the Lord. And so in the Old Covenant, we needed a mediator to stand between us and the Lord. Again, the Old Covenant revealed sin and therefore made death and condemnation known. The law itself was not evil. It did not create sin, death, or condemnation. It only revealed human sin and its consequences. In the Old Covenant, the glory was transitory. It was temporary. It was inadequate. And the sacrifices needed to keep going in order to, in order for people's sins to be forgiven. But what we need to understand is that in Christ the old covenant, right, is is transformed. There's a new covenant that's made in Christ, and in that new covenant we don't need a mediator because we have direct access to the Father through Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In First Timothy chapter two verse five it says that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man. Jesus Christ. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, as Jesus gave up his spirit and breathed his last breath, it says that the temple curtain was torn in two. That temple curtain was what separated the Holy of Holies, where God's presence, where, where that was the most direct symbol of God's presence among his people, that room at the very center of the sanctuary. That that curtain separated that Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, and no one was allowed to go through there except the high priest only one day out of the year. But in Christ, when he died, that that curtain was torn in two. It was like that veil being removed. We no longer need a mediator because in Christ our sins are forgiven and we can now go into Christ's presence, into the presence of the Lord. The new covenant brings righteousness to those who believe. In Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one, Paul says that that. Here, let me just flip there. Second Corinthians five twenty-one says, "God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God." You see, the Old Testament, or excuse me, the Old Covenant revealed our sin, but in the New Covenant, our sin is dealt with; it is removed. Christ took our sin upon himself and in return we receive his righteousness. We become the righteousness of God. And that glory, which was temporary in the Old, te- in the old Covenant, is now eternal and does not fade. Christ is that final sacrifice for sin. He said on the cross, it is finished. Right? What was transitory in the Old Testament is transformational in the New Covenant. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, The old is gone, the new has come. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. That's why in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul can talk about how we now with unveiled faces go into the Lord's presence to, con- presence to contemplate His glory. You see, it's not... We don't need that mediator anymore. We don't need that veil anymore. Because of Christ and through the presence of His Holy Spirit, we have direct access to God. And so so that transformation takes place in our lives. It says with ever-increasing glory, which means the more we know Christ, the, the longer we walk with Him, the more time we spend in His Word, the more we will be transformed. What does that look like then? All right, what does it look like to sh- let Christ's light shine through us? Because it's definitely Christ's light that shines through us, right? It's not our own light. It, what, it wasn't Moses' light that was shining. It was the Lord's glory that was reflected in his face. And when we shine for Christ, it, is, it doesn't originate with us either. It's the light of Christ shining through us for others to see. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 to to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify. What does that light look like? Again, it's not a physical transformation, right? Our faces aren't going to start glowing the more time we read God's Word. But we should change. We should see that change taking place. That change looks like the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Seeing more love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control that change should look like a transformed priorities, putting God first in our lives and not allowing other things to take his place that should look like love, love for God and love for others, in fact, Jesus in John thirteen thirty five says that people will know you're my disciples if you love one another And the bottom line is this, the more we reflect the glory and light of the Lord, the more our lives are going to look like Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. To display the glory of God is to live a life shaped like Jesus, to be more like him in everything that we do. See, all Christians are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. We reflect the glory of God like Moses did. It increases in us as we look more and more like him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the opportunity to study it here this morning. I thank you for your goodness and your grace towards us. And I thank you that you invite us into your presence, that we no longer need a veil. We no longer need uh, a mediator, Lord but that you invite us into your presence and that when we, when we come to meet you there, Lord, that you transform us from the inside out to make us more and more like you. Help us to do that today. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. As we prepare our hearts and minds for communion this morning, I invite you to stand with us and sing our next song, Sanctuary. Let's pray together again. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to take communion together. And as we do, as we come to the table, Lord, we come at your invitation because of your amazing grace, because of your love for us. Father God, we know that we are sinners in need of a savior, that every one of us has fallen short of your glory. And so this is an opportunity for us, Lord, to acknowledge our need for you. That when we step forward to the table, it's an acknowledgement, Lord, that that we can't do this on our own, that we cannot save ourselves, but that we are fully dependent on your goodness and your grace. And so we're sorry, Lord, for the ways that we've fallen short. We're sorry for the, the things that we've done and the things that we left undone. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us. That you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you that in you our sins are forgiven and in you we have eternal life. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. For I have received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night He was betrayed took bread and given thanks, he broke in and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink, whenever you do so, drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I invite all of you who've received Jesus as your Savior and Lord to receive this Holy Sacrament to your comfort. We're going to do things a little different today, just because I don't want to... Uh, share whatever I got going on here. So the elders are going to be the ones serving at the table this morning, along with Pastor Tori. Um, But we're going to just do things as we normally do. Besides that, we invite you to come forward to the table, receive the elements, and we'll take them together once everybody's had a chance to get them. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith for thanksgiving. And this is his blood, which was shed for you, that our sins would be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to share in this sacrament together. We thank you that you meet us here in this place. And I pray, Lord, that we would be transformed with an ever-increasing glory more and more into your image. Lord, that is our hope, that is our prayer this morning. Fill us with your glory that we may shine your light in a world that desperately needs to see it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our last song together.
6: I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation,
2: able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. You may go in peace.